today. I'm privileged to share with you uh, some thoughts and hopefully um, it'll engage your head and your heart, uh, no matter where you are in your faith journey. Um, I've got two parts. That's all right, eh? It's two parts, but just, just in one. So don't worry, you won't see me next week. Oh, you might see me, but not yeah. Um, and I'm actually going to pretty much read my notes. That'll slow me down. It'll save me from rambling. Hopefully there'll be clarity that comes. So I hope you don't mind that I put my trust in this paper. Part one. And this is for everyone, but especially helpful for people that are visiting or that have been new to this community over the past uh, little while. Um, about three years ago, I think it was, that we came up with some core values. We, we didn't come up with them, but we helped uh, give words to things that we already saw in this space. We had about 10 initially uh, that got a little bit hard to remember. So we narrowed it down to three and then brought it under the premise of love God and love people. So we're going to talk about core values um, that make up the spiritual community of Kapiti Impact Church. Um, the core values are, and they'll come up on the screen, Love God, love people. Hopefully they come up on the screen. Love God, love people. And freedom with wisdom as we journey. So freedom, wisdom, and journey. And they're not going to come up on the screen. Um, but that's not hard, eh? You can say that with me. When I say love God, love people, try that out. Love God, love people. In freedom, in freedom, with wisdom, as we journey. So let's try that all together. Love God, love people, in freedom, with wisdom, as we journey. And this isn't an, uh, an uncomfortable chant. We're not trying to bring about something. But isn't that a lovely way to be? Knowing that in Christ we have freedom. We can receive wisdom, and we're actually all on a journey. So whether we're here or here or here, it doesn't really matter because we're guided by Christ through this life. So we're going to start with love. And love is a topic for endless engagement. I'm sure you know that. But for today, we're just going to shoot out some ideas like fireworks. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 to 21. And this should come up on the screen. Oh, yes. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So we can love in many ways, including through worship, honour, being patient and kind, generosity, sacrifice, intimacy, community, study, teaching, doing something for someone without any expectation of what they could do in return. Love is the acknowledgement of God's creative expression found plastered across humanity and creation. You know, love is not an exchange, but instead an ever-present giving that is further celebrated in the receiving. The willingness to receive creates an opportunity to give. And a giver who is in tune with the Spirit will show love in profound and inspired ways. You know, love does not run out with excess use, but it finds endless capacity from the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. So we are a church who love God and love people. That's about how much I'm going to talk about each of these um, different core values. So freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, slavery binds us, but freedom breaks the chains. Slavery leads to despair. Freedom recognizes hope. 
And we've heard a lot about hope this morning and we're going to hear a lot about hope tomorrow and the next day and the next day because the living hope is within us. Slavery gets you stuck, but freedom makes way for opportunity. Freedom is experienced when our identity is found in Christ and not in the expectations or judgments of others. Freedom is outworked when we show that same consideration to others. We are not a church bound by the principalities and powers of this world, but set free by the creator of the world itself. Wisdom. Now, wisdom is a fun one. Whoever would have thought that wisdom would be fun. But wisdom can come in many forms and from many things and can even look different depending on the circumstances. It is not calculated based on rules or doctrine, but instead it is inspired by the Spirit. Wisdom can be gained from experience, come from age or intellect and logic, but the writers of Scripture believe that God gives wisdom, and when we grow in our relationship with God and seek wisdom, we can actually receive it as a beautiful gift for living a humble and successful life. As Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That was good right there, David. Well done, mate. If you have a read of Proverbs, um, you'll probably see incredible insight into godly wisdom. You get to engage with musings from ancient wisdom that have paved the way for a lot of modern thought and logic. I think we take for granted um, kind of what our society looks like now and the influence of Christ over many generations. And I believe that some of Proverbs' wisdom is at work in modern thinking because of that kind of trajectory that God's taking us on. In Proverbs, you even get to witness seeming contradictions within instructions for behavior. Like I said, wisdom is a fun one. Uh, We're a church who seek wisdom from God and practice it in every area of our lives. Journey. Each of us are on a journey. I just, this word keeps coming to mind. Journey shows up everywhere. As we were praying for these beautiful people, journey is what you're on. Um, Each of us are on a journey. Journeys are exciting and remarkable, full of wonder and fun. They're vast and unpredictable, and they don't always go to plan. My journey will differ to your journey, which will differ to your journey, which will differ to your journey. The amazing thing about the body of Christ is that we get to engage with people regardless of how their journey compares to mine. We get to link arms, right, regardless of where where they're at. And what I've concluded in my own life... um, may not be the destination that another settles in. Where I'm still learning, someone else might share wisdom. Where you're struggling with confidence, I might encourage you into freedom. And where someone acts in hate, our community can respond in love. We are a church on a journey that goes back many decades and is creating a legacy for generations to come. We value people right where they are at and want to see each individual experience the eternal loving embrace of God. So I hope you're encouraged by those. Those are a core posture that we hold as Kapiti Impact Church, as the people. Um, And we're going to continue to explore and develop as a church community by expressing those things and by um, kind of learning to live with those as core parts of our individual lives. As an eldership, we're excited to be looking more closely at that culture, um, hence the role culture curator. It's not because I'm setting anything, it's because I'm just pushing a a go into understanding some stuff um, and then opening the conversation for it. Um, And essentially, it's a culture created by you beautiful lot. It's amazing. 
Uh, and we're going to assess kind of how that culture can be best served, um, but also celebrated in every area of ministry and life. The goal there is that we increase in our impact and influence in the world by being guided by the Holy Spirit to be an active and effective participant in the body of Christ. All right, let's take a breath. Whew, yeah. Because we're going to get ready for part two. That was an all right part one, eh? Pretty good. Good. Part two. His mercies are new every morning. You know, the beginning of a new year is often quite a bizarre time. It breaks us out of the usual routines and often gets us reflecting on what's been and what is to come. I know that for many, the end of last year in particular brought an unsettling sense of exhaustion and emptiness, confusion and uncertainty. You know, when we're in the midst of the unknown, it can be difficult to imagine the future with a sense of hope. When thinking about a theme for my message today, I kept coming to the phrase, His mercies are new every morning. This felt like an apt and hope-filled mantra as we enter 2023. Every day of this new year, I can expect to experience the mercies and compassion of God. His mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are essential to life, and the idea of them being new or renewed in some uh, translations every day felt like an optimistic mindset to encourage. And I was hoping to leave it as a simple encouragement, but considering that the original verse to quote comes from Lamentations, I was eventually convinced to explore the context a little further. So let's read the uplifting stuff. (laughs) Lamentations 3, verse 21 to 24. This is from the um, ESV, English Standard Version. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You may be thinking, well, Tim, that's easy for you to say. You seem to have it all together. You've got plenty to hope for, new opportunities on the horizon, and a great fresh haircut, might I add. Um, But, and this may surprise you, uh, we're not actually here to talk about me. Um, Instead, we're going to talk about lamentations. Uh, So, looking at this passage, the but in verse 21, if you just chuck that back up there, David, if you get a chance, the but in verse 21, I'll say it again, the but in verse 21, should get us questioning what precedes these more uplifting verses. You know, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Yeah, Yeah. agreed. Um, So, if if you like details, you can actually have a relaxing Sunday afternoon read of Lamentations before the barbecue at the Fawcett's. Let's look at the general vibe of the book. Lamentations was written uh, shortly after the destruction of the temple in the 6th century BC. Its writer or writers may have just witnessed and are experiencing the displacement of their entire people group now captive to Babylon. When everything you know and find value in has been stripped from you, what is there left to find hope in? The structure of the book is five poems of varying content, not necessarily laid out chronologically. Four of them are acrostic poems in Hebrew and have an unbalanced and enjambled meter which is fitting for the mournful funeral dirge that reflect their mood. How's that for a sentence? I'm just going to say that one again because I think it's pretty cool. A dirge is like a funeral, like it's too slow to bear, but it's like a chant, like a a, a mournful song, right? You've got great is thy faithfulness, which we sing commonly at funerals, comes from lamentations and is in this uplifting moment, but it's a funeral dirge. It's something that's full of mourn but it's bringing hope. Four of them are acrostic poems in Hebrew 
and have an unbalanced and enjambled metre, which is fitting for the mournful funeral dirge that reflect their mood. Unfortunately, we can't really appreciate this approach to writing when it's translated to English. Um, and overall, the book feels very raw and lacks a sense of dignity, which is understandable considering the events of the time. And now hear me, I'm not going to teach or stand firm on the theology, theology that I share or thinking that I'm going with, um, because there's plenty more learning for me to do. Uh, it, it is interesting to note that the writers seem to blatantly prescribe their desolation to God and his just wrath. That God was the one who caused their anguish because of the sins of both the individual and the collective. And I must admit, I'm still finding language to reconcile and appreciate God as presented in the Old Testament through the lens that we gain in Jesus. We have more understanding of what God is like now and because of the cross and because of Jesus than they did 600 years before. So they viewed God through that lens, and we can view God through Jesus. Wrath and judgment are hard to hold on to when we are recipients of righteousness through the death and resurrection of Christ, and we get to experience abounding love, endless grace, and eternal salvation. You can see it's hard to reconcile those two seeming opposites. One interpretation of God's wrath is that it is not so much an active pursuit of an angry and volatile disposition, but instead of turning away or becoming distant due to repetitive disobedience or idolatry. When God is not present, the order that God brought to creation in Genesis returns to chaos. And this chaos by very nature leads to death, darkness and decrease. So wrath is not necessarily the addition of chaos or destruction, but instead the absence of order. Let me give you an example. As a dad, I aim to give proactive instruction to my daughter in order to guide her growth and keep her safe from unnecessary harm. Fair enough. Uh, and an example of this is when we cross uh, a road or walk through a car park. Um, I ensure that she holds my hand while I teach her what to look out for. She's got a good ear. She'll hear a truck come in a mile away. It's good. Uh, she'll hear the music and she'll come running. She was halfway up the little ladder there, heard the celebration song and clapping. She tried to climb back down. She only just learned to climb up. She can't climb down. Um, but she's like, yeah, yep. <laughs> I should have stuck to the notes. Uh, <laughs> so every so often she'll actually dart towards the road or pull, my, pull her hand out of mine in childish disgust. And all the while I'm keeping my perfect parent cool and guiding her back towards me. Essentially, when she chooses to neglect my instruction, I aim to keep calm and repeat the guiding process as many times as it takes for reasonable action to occur. And at times, this may lead to pretty decent frustration on my part, especially due to my instruction being for her and not against her. You know, God is for us, not against us. But she will never lose my love based on her actions. Her repeated disobedience may also lead to an array of negative consequences as she steps out of my immediate protection. These consequences are still not a retaliation on my part, and it would hurt me deeply knowing that her suffering could have been prevented. You know, this I, and I realize that well, we need to make the connection that the context of where they were seeing God destroying them was because of the sin of the people, individually and collectively. But for us, the idea of wrath gets even messier when we find Jesus. We experience grace and salvation not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. A God who qualifies the unqualified and fills up the thirsty. 
He finds lost things. Oh, he, sorry, he finds the lost and brings hope to the afflicted. As I've said, the writers of Lamentations didn't yet have the full picture of God as we see him in Christ. They were facing unprecedented circumstances and attributed it to God. And even with this view, the writer of Lamentations 3 still found it in themselves to acknowledge the extent of God's covenant faithfulness and put their hope in him. No matter the circumstances we face, whether we think it's God, whether we think it's us, whether we, it's just an unknown circumstance, God's mercies are greater. His mercies are new every morning and his covenant faithfulness and his, his goodness surpasses any of that. You know, each of us have faced a lot. We're each on a journey and at times get plunged into mystery, not knowing the cause or the solution. Whether we attribute that blame to ourselves, to God, to some other unknown cause, my encouragement today is that his mercies are new every morning. Whether our entire people group gets overthrown, as with Jerusalem, or our summer plans didn't quite work out how we would have liked, his mercies are new every morning. What we see in Christ is that a posture of hope is always accessible. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is always near. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. You know, the year to come will face further challenges. And I hear that one kid to two kids can be quite a shift. Uh, And some things in life won't make sense. You know, each day may carry its share of worries. But my prayer and my expectation is that his mercies will abound even more. That's a prayer and expectation for each one of you, for myself, for anyone we come into contact with, that they would receive and find his mercies, which will abound far more than our circumstances. Let it be on our lips and in our hearts that no matter where we are in the realities of our journey, his mercies are new every morning. So, may we as a people know the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, guiding us and comforting us through all of life's endeavours. May we know and experience the mercies of God in every waking moment. And as individuals and as a church, may we love God, love people, and live in freedom with wisdom as we journey. Let's pray. God, it's your goodness and your mercy that comforts us and sustains us in every day. Jesus, you're the bread of life. And when we eat and drink from you, we'll never go hungry and thirsty again. But God, we also acknowledge the circumstances of life, the the seasons, the days that just don't go to plan, the unsettling things that can't be explained. God, we acknowledge that you're not absent there, but you're, you're with us because of what you've done on the cross. You're with us because you love us. You're with us because you want to guide us into the best version of ourselves that we can be. You work for our safety and you work for our good. So God, as we enter into this year, um, whatever the circumstances, whatever the the things that come, I pray, God, that we would know your mercy is fresh and new every morning that that phrase, his mercies are new every morning, wouldn't just be words, but it would be a reality that we can experience. May we be reminded that you're present, that you're close, and that you're for us and not against us. God, we want to be an inspired people.
who live in the will of God to see this, this world changed for your good. So God, we give this year over to you. We, we thank you that you're with us. And I just pray your blessing on each person here. Amen.